Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. We've been doing this series called called uh, the Sermon on the Mount, specifically what it is. It's Jesus's first message to his disciples. Um, and uh, if, you wanna, if you really want to know the heart of God and the will of God for your life, it is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Jesus said, you know, we get all different, we've known this, we've ta- been teaching it, and you know this, that we get all different perspectives of God um, from both the Old Testament and New Testament, and sometimes it can be confusing regarding who God really is. If you agree, say amen. amen. And, uh, and, uh, and yet, um, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he's a God of unconditional love and a God of great mercy. Can I have an amen? amen. I'm very grateful for that. So anyway, we can see and discover the heart of God and the will of God through the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, Jesus began teaching uh, 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 the Beatitudes. And I want to begin reading out of the King James, uh, just the first uh, six verses, and then we'll go from there. Um, Matthew 5, verse 6, uh, 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he had set, his disciples came unto him, came to him. So it was disciples he was addressing. And he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we talked about these, so you can go back online and listen to them. I don't have time to repeat uh, um, this information and what it means. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I could get into a whole teaching on the subject of, uh, of God's righteousness. Amen. We know that from the scriptures that according to the Old Testament, I think it's the book of Isaiah, that Isaiah said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So we don't approach God through our righteousness. We approach God through Christ's righteousness. Can I have an amen? amen. Come on. Amen. That's how we approach him. Yeah, and why? Because we carry something called the Adamic nature and it's filled with um, uh, f- frailty. It's, it's filled with um, infirmity. It's filled with weakness. And uh, it is susceptible to every temptation of life. All the temptations of life come through the Adamic nature. And through, through three avenues, I want to teach on this. It's powerful though. Three avenues. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? And so that's why... That's why we grow within. And as we grow within, remember what the Lord said? The conviction to do right becomes stronger than the temptation to do wrong. Can you shout hallelujah? Amen, that's true, praise God. Anyway, when it comes to a God-blessed life on this side of eternity, these beatitudes are important because spiritual attitude is everything when it comes to attaining a blessed life. How many want a blessed life? Amen. For the first 20 years of my life, it was a cursed life. And I want to live the rest of my life out with a blessed life. Amen. And it won't be a life without problems, but it will be a blessed life and that God will give the insight to conquer the problems. Can I have an amen? Anyway. Now let's, verse 6 out of the Amplified. Now blessed, fortunate, happy, and spiritually prosperous In that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation, 
are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied. Uh, in one of the translations, it says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after, after justice or uprightness, for they shall be satisfied. So it isn't just... It, it just doesn't mean right standing with God. It means justice. It means the justice of God, the laws of God. I'm going to agree that if we obey the laws of God, our life will be blessed. And the two greatest laws, of course, are love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. If you agree, say amen. When God made man in his image and likeness, Adam's assignment was twofold, his spiritual assignment. Number one, it was to place his faith in um, the divine law of God, which of course was his will. And number two, it was to subject his will to the obedience of God's will. So those are the two things. It reminds me of James. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. What does that mean? You deceive yourself into believing that you can, you can neglect your responsibility to do the word in your life and reap the blessings of that very promise. You won't do it. You agree with me on that? That's what that means. Hallelujah. So, as Adam lived within the spiritual boundaries of God's word, of what he established, he enjoyed God's righteousness or he enjoyed justice, uprightness, the justice of God. Hallelujah. He was governed by God and enjoyed the justice of God along with the fullness of God's presence, God's protection, and God's provision. Amen. Every time I ride my, get on my Harley and ride my Harley. Um, I've already been twice close to hit because people don't see it and they pull out. And so you constantly have to be driving defensively. But on the other hand, praise God, I believe on the divine protection of God. If you agree, say amen. 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 And if you rode with me, you'd be believing for the divine protection of God also. <laughs> I always tell Vicki that my, and she, and she is, she's a woman of great faith. Because I surely wouldn't get behind me. I mean, it's just, just having someone else in control of those handlebars, and you're just back there, you know, hanging on, it uh, can be quite scary. She is a woman of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, on the other hand, apart from the willful exercise of uh, these two spiritual principles, uh, number one, having faith in God's divine law, and number two, uh, subjecting our will in obedience to God's word or his divine law, God knew that injustice would find its way into the heart of man, and it did. It did. Hallelujah. Now, first, well, let me just say this. God set boundaries, say boundaries. Amen. It's kind of like your children. You try to set boundaries for your children. You tell them, don't touch that stove. And they look at you and they reach out to touch it anyway. So you slap their hand and say, don't touch that. Why? Because you're going to get burned. It's going, you're going, it's going to cause suffering in your life. Can I have an amen? Amen. 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 I mean, you discipline them for the sake of their uh, uh, own lives. Uh, you know, if they listen to you, don't run out in the driveway. It's very frustrating when a parent hollers at a child and the child just keeps racing and just keeps moving away. Why? Because, you know, harm could come to them. So it is with God. When God's, I believe God speaks to us far more than we realize, but we're just not listening. And a lot of times we're not listening because not willing to obey. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sure quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I said amen. amen. I believe with all my heart that when we're serious with God, his response is much quicker. Amen. Now, in 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter, it records the story, and we're going to read this story, of a nation, a people that refused to be governed by God. Amen. There's people like that, Christians like that. They refuse to be governed by God. They carry the Christian title, but there's little evidence of their faith in or obedience to God. Because if it was, they wouldn't act the way they act. They wouldn't talk the way they talk. They wouldn't live the way they live. You know, a lot of times you know, we look at the world and we're frustrated with the world's, you know, with the world's behavior. But the world is the world. They are of their father that, I don't say they're harshly because Jesus loves the world. But they are of the world, so they're going to live worldly. They're going to speak worldly. They're going to act worldly. Can I have an Amen. They're going to be fulfilling the, the, the sensualities of their lives, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's just, that's just their nature. But when you're a child of God, you're to forsake what you used to be and be what God called you to be. Come on. Amen. Or we, 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 uh, our passion is for that. Our desire is for that. How many want to be God-like and please the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? I do too. I want to be that. And you know, it's not easy. It's not just something that comes easy. You have to, the reason Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith because he knew it would be a battle. It'd be a battle. Life's a battle. But greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. Can I have an amen? So it records a story of a people who refuse to be governed by God and the cost, and it, it gives the cost of such rebellion. Amen. And of course, uh, up to this point, in, and we're talking about the children of Israel, and up to this point in 1 Samuel 8, God was their king. Okay, now let's read this story. As Samuel grew old, this is the New Living Translation, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Now watch this. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. See, when the court systems are corrupt, and they were there were righteous judges, but there were unrighteous judges in Israel. And um, uh, everything gets messed up when the courts are perverted like they are today in, in nations, including America. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and they perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah. That wasn't Tulsa. It was a different Ramah. To discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations. I thought that was interesting because America, the nation, America, isn't that something there's a voice that cries out America, we want to be like other nations. When in fact, all other nations wants to be like America. Isn't that interesting? But again, that's the, the crazies, the loonies that we allow to govern our nation and it becomes just as corrupt as the hearts of those that are leading. 
or those that are in these positions of power, okay? So he says, so Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. This is God's response. Do everything they say to you, for it is me, God says, they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Verse 9, do as they ask, but solemnly warn them, warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who are asking him for a king. And this is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons without, you know, without their uh, will involved, okay? They lost all their rights. And... Um, um, The king will draft their sons and assign them to his chariots and chariot, charioteers, making them run before his courts, verse 12. Some will be generals and captains in his army, and some will be forced. Say forced. forced. Say it again. Forced. Amen. So they already, they've lost, you know, they're losing their liberties. You don't even know it. See, that's the way it is in America. Amen. If you don't value your liberties... If we don't value our liberties as a nation and realize how, why they are, why we have them, we'll end up losing them. I mean, I'm talking about as a nation of people. See, what, listen, oh, I, I don't want to get on myself, so let's continue here. So, he goes on and says, the king some will be forced to plow in the fields and harvest his crops. Some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute among his officers and attendants. He will take the tenth. Where was the tenth supposed to go to? To God. I guarantee you right now, I'm just, I'm just saying, not here at Faith Family Church, but many Christians will be pressured into not tithing because gas is twice or three times much as it was under our former president. Again, he's after the tithe. Or some of you don't tithe anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's go on. He will take a tenth of your grain, verse 16. He will take your males and your female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth, there it is again, of your flocks and you will be his slaves. Does this sound like wonderful news? When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. Why? Because even God can't violate the law of seed time and harvest. God was never against them. He was always for them. They made the choices, and their choices became their ruin. That's why it breaks my heart in America. All the wonderful, and of course, I'm 72 years old. I'm, always, I'm concerned for my children and my grandchildren. But history does repeat itself. And except for a spiritual awakening in America, I'm talking about a spiritual awakening in both the church and the world. 
a divine visitation from God, this nation could be lost. Not, his pe- not us, his people. I said, not us, his people, but the liberties that this nation has so cherished could be gone. That's what saddens my heart. Because if I live in the 10, 15 years, that's not, that's not going to affect me, but it's going to affect uh, the people I love the most. It's my family. Let's go on. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Well, up to this point, see, God had favored them with victory over every enemy at that point in their lives. God favored them. They didn't get any victory on their own. It was God that gave them the victory. I mean, if you got any victory in your life, it's God that gives you the victory. Hallelujah. I praise him for that. Amen. So Samuel repeated the Lord to, to the Lord what the people said, and the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. Man, what a sad day in the uh, in the. Uh, Israel's history. God wanted to govern them. He wanted to be their righteous judge. He wanted to give them uh, spiritual guidance and bless them and provide for them and protect them and, and, and be a great blessing to them. But their self-willed rebellion harvested exactly what God said they would get. And God didn't want any of it. And they lost all the freedoms that they had under God. Listen, when it comes to the governing powers of heaven, from the very beginning of creation, God's will was that we would govern ourselves through two avenues. Number one, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Number two, through the counsel and wisdom of God's word. Do you hear me? Amen. That's exactly, it's been that way from the beginning. All the liberties, all the liberties of man find their origin within the boundaries of God's word. John wrote this, he said, everyone who commits or practices sin is guilty of lawlessness, for that is what sin is. Lawlessness, the breaking and violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands and his will, and he's addressing the church, he's not addressing the world. So we get caught, we get offended, we get mad, we get angry, you know, when we see all of the the moral perversions that are going on in society. But the society is going to be what they're going to be because they are of of their father. They live in darkness, they can't help it. Your part is to pray for them, be compassionate towards them, and believe God for a divine intervention in their lives. But the church needs to be the church. Jesus confronted the Pharisees for failing to fulfill their judicial call which was to represent the heart of God and the will of God and lead God's people to that end. Yet over time, they became self-righteous, self-ruling, and self-indulgent. So Jesus gave them this warning. We'll just read a couple here. Matthew 23. We're talking about, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew 23, verse 13, whoa, that's a warning. What sorrow awaits you, teachers. Jesus was not saying this out of embitterment, out of, out of uncontrolled anger. He was saddened in his heart that the very people that he chose and equipped and put his blessing on turned God's glory into self-gratification. 
you hypocrites, you teach, oh yeah, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, you won't go in yourselves and you, won't, and you don't let others in either. Verse 15, woe, or what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. I tell you what, guys, God's going to hold you responsible for your families. If there was ever a time that men have to be consecrated to God, it's today. Because your children are getting all sorts of, they're getting way more signals to, um, towards the world than they are towards you. That's why you have to make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's regarding your Christian behavior and how you live, how you act, and how you talk around your children. Should have received the offering before I preached this message. <laughs> I'm not preaching for her. For financial gain. Verse 25, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law? Of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Man. Outwardly, verse 28, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. The Pharisees were called to be the just ones, the humble ones, the holy and subservient ones, representing God to God's people. Are we not that? We are. Yet over time, they exchange God's glory for self-gratification, as I said earlier. Without justice or uprightness being cultivated within our hearts on a daily basis, over time, we can become just as hypocritical and lawless as the Pharisees. Whether it's in the governing of our own personal lives or our families or the governing of our community or a nation, our allegiance to God and his word individually will ultimately determine the quality of life that we live and the blessings that are upon our lives. How many want your life to be blessed? Not because we want to be comfortable, but we want to be a witness to those that are desperate in need of the answers to life. And his name is Jesus. If you agree, say amen. amen. There's one specific reason why America became the most blessed nation in the world. And by the way, it is. I've been all over the world. The most blessed nation. There's one reason why that is. Our forefathers called upon God's presence and guidance. In fact, when you look at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, number one in the Constitution, you'll find God's word Many scriptures to the Constitution, and in the Bill of Rights, you'll see the wisdom of God in manifestation. Our forefathers. You know, they want to, they want, I mean, you know, there's evil people even governing our nation today that want to cut down America. You know, they want to make America the mean nation. Uh, we already know that this nation has been marred by wrong decisions, marred by wrong behaviors. There's a, um, a, a beautiful movie. If you've never seen it, you need to. It was, um, it was directed by um, uh, Little House and Prairie, Michael. 
I need one person to answer me. But it, Michael Landon. Sorry. Michael, I couldn't get it. It's called The Sin Eater. That's, that's the movie. The Sin Eater. And, um, I mean, the whole emphasis of the, the, of the movie is that uh, there was a religious group from uh, Ireland or over in that area who came to America, and they settled in the Appalachian Mountains, I think. And they, um, when someone, uh, they would uh, um, take the, the group, you know, the colony, or, you know, of, uh, and they would take the men and separate them, and they would uh, draw straws. And uh, one who draw the shortest straw, he was separated, and he'd go up and live in the mountain, completely separated and isolated from the people. And then when someone would die, a bell would ring. And he would hear the bell ring knowing someone would die. And they would take the body of that person and they would lay that body down on the ground and then they would turn their backs and close their eyes because they could not, they could not look upon the sin eater because if they did, all the sins of that person would come upon them. That was their, what they believed. And so he would come down dressed in black and he would, he would take a, uh, a vask. Is that what, they, what is the wine thing called? And he would, and he would, he would take some uh, bread, and he would eat bread. It was like communion, and, and take a drink, and he would drink in all the sins of that person, and take the sins of that person upon himself, and then he would carry them up to the mountain and continue to be isolated from the uh, uh, colony, um, taking on the sufferings of isolation for the sake of the one who died. Sounds like redemption, doesn't it? For someone to live, amen. But the message is so powerful because in this story, here comes a young preacher. It's kind of cool because the guy who plays the young preacher is uh, the, the little boy who's now growing up who played uh, E.T., uh, who played the part uh, in E.T., kind of cool. And he's preaching Christ Jesus, hallelujah, and getting people saved. Well, some, one of the couple of the leaders of the colony just hated him because of what he was doing, messing things up, so they killed him. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the good news is the message continued to get carried out and uh, ended up the whole colony got saved. Can I have an amen? amen. But my point bringing that story up was this. America has done everything right. Why? Because in this story, there's a group of um, precious Indian people who welcomed them into that area. And they felt that they were going to be threatened. And so they wiped out all of the Indians so that uh, they wouldn't be threatened by them. It's just a horrific, horrific thing. Again, showing to, that, um, who was I just reading about? Um, was it Stalin that killed like 300,000 of his own people uh, in order to get control of the nation? So all of these horrific things that we hear about, and America's had her faults. America, praise God, the, God still never forgot of the commitment of the forefathers uh, to him and to his will. Can I have an amen? amen? So what is the future of America? It's right here. It's right here. It's us being consecrated and dedicated and committed to the heart of God and the will of God in the earth. That is the answer. 
I remember when uh, reading just uh, uh, where the Apostle Paul's in prison, and he's telling Timothy, I mean, can you imagine young Timothy, uh, can you imagine the pressures of his life, knowing that his, his, his closest associate, who his spiritual leader is now in prison and is going to be put to death. And, and Paul courageously said, hey, I may be in bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I said, I may be in bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He said, hey, it's not, me, them arresting me is not going to stop the, the gospel from being preached throughout the world and has been preached now for 2,000 years. Why don't you give God a good shout of praise for that? Can I have an amen? Amen. Getting back to the Constitution. The Pledge of Allegiance, I want to read this to you. It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Now listen, they wrote this, um, was Thomas Jefferson? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United, of the United, of the United, of the United States. That's why racism, the propagation of racism is so dangerous because the devil wants to divide our nation. I hate racism, but it's a trick of the enemy to try to divide us, our nation, divide our states. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. I'd like to talk about we are a republic, a form of governing, not a democratic form of governing. And I won't go into that, but I've got time. And to the republic for which it stands or supports, one nation under God. It was Eisenhower, that, that under God was not in the original allegiance. In 1954, it's Dwight Eisenhower added that. Do you know why he added it? Because commun- communism had such a devastation effect on all of the world because of World War II. He wanted to make sure that, that our nation understood that we are one nation under God. That's what makes a nation great. Being under God, submitted to God, subservient to God. Indivisible, that word means unable to divide or separate with liberty and justice for all. And liberty is not, liberty is not possible without justice. When you see our streets and our stores being broken in and burned and, and, and such lawlessness and nobody does anything about it, that means this nation is in trouble. The judicial systems get corrupt. To where the violator has all his rights and the violator lose all their rights. I'm just saying this is, this is where we're at. I'm not trying to preach hopelessness into you because, praise God, it doesn't matter. We, the church has to continue to preach the gospel, hallelujah, and be a light to those that are in darkness. We have the answer. We are the answer. Can I have an amen? I just want you to know and understand. This isn't about racism. This isn't about color. It's about dividing our nation. So liberty is not possible without justice, without uprightness. Listen, from a God-revered people. I can't believe I have such a reverence for God. I mean, I really am afraid in one sense of him. That it drives me to my knees to more worship of him, a desire to obey him, a desire to be like him. Not this careless freedom so I can act like I want to act, say what I want to say, be what I want to be. I want to live my life within the boundaries of God's word so that my life is a blessing. Especially going out. 
I've told the father, God, I only have a few years left. I don't want to mess up and, and find out that uh, at the very end of my ministry, when I should have been my greatest, I fell, because many preachers have. Why did the first century church suffer so much persecution? I'm almost done here. Why did the first, listen, why did the early church, the first century church, suffer so much persecution? There were two reasons. Listen now. Number one, they refused to pledge their allegiance to the political system of their day. And they refused to pledge their allegiance to the religious system of their day. The political and the religious. They refused to get involved in any of it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be praying for our leadership and going to the, ba- uh, going to the ballot box and voting, but then you got to leave it there. I believe with all my heart, I do, and I don't, t- I mean, I'm just telling you what I, I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm just telling you what I feel in my heart. I, I, we were so honored and blessed to have, um, in one sense, to have a businessman in, in, in that position of leadership over America for at least four years because he, they couldn't, ba- they could not pay him. They could not um, buy him. They couldn't seduce him. They, they couldn't, they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't control him. That was the one thing that was so wonderful. And, and the one, even though he had all of his, you know, all the goofy things in his life, the one thing he had is he had a heart after he loved America and wanted the best for the American people. But on the other hand, I can see the hand of God on the other hand. We, are, we have to be so careful as the body of Christ that we're not pursuing some man when we should, pursuing all my, when we should be pursuing God and God alone. As Christians, the Pledge of Allegiance isn't going to benefit us without our total allegiance to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? It won't benefit us. I mean, the Supreme Court, the highest... Um, position of power in, in, in America is under attack. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? So I just want you to stop and think about this. I, it's just unbelievable to think that this man traveled from California to come to literally kill a Supreme Justice, Kavanaugh. Literally. But because we have such a perverted and distorted um, uh, political party right now, they, nothing was even done about it. Thank God there, there were, there were uh, police there. Yes. Or there would have been, a, my point is, uh, my point is, we should never have the attitude of nobody dying, whether they're a liberal or a conservative. Whether they're wicked or righteous. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after uprightness or justice, for they shall be filled. So anyway, our part is to pray for them. Can I have an amen? And our part is to continue to be a light to those in darkness. Um, I have great empathy for, uh, a great empathy for people. I have great empathy for those right now that are in, are, are in uh, authority because um, they really are in darkness. Can you imagine being the church in Paul's day where Paul, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul? Can you imagine the fear 
When you have a political party, Judaism, you have the most powerful religious party in Israel, and they're going after Christians, arresting them, beating them, stoning them, and killing them. Can you imagine that? I mean, what the attitude must have been? And yet, obviously, there was prayer going on. Prayer going on. Because God, hallelujah, he had his way with Saul. And Saul became Paul. Well, if he did it for Saul, he can do it for anybody. Amen. Philippians 3.20 says, We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Hallelujah. And as citizens of heaven, our, our call is, is to remain in faith, uh, to, be, uh, to, to be committed to the faithfulness of God. God's going to have his way. I said God's going to have his way. I mean, it may not come like you think it is. It may, it may not come. I mean, what's going to happen? Just... Well, we got to close. What's going to happen in November if political things don't turn out the way you want? You going to give up on God? <laughs> no. no. We still got to serve God. We still got to be God's people. Can I have an amen? amen? I'm just saying, we all believe that, you know, all the prophets were prophesying, you know, the, the last president was prophesying, and every prophet was wrong. I mean, in that sense of timing. And all we do is sound like fools. And the world's going to mock you anyway, so you might as well just preach Christ and him crucified, hallelujah, and let God be God of the rest. Yes, you got to be involved, of course. I'm just like you. I want God-fearing, God-fearing people in positions of leadership politically. I want that. However, I want the, the church itself is so messed up that if Jesus ran for president, half the church would have questioned whether they should vote for him or not. I'm, not just, I'm just, because our, all of our perspective in life is so distorted by the culture we came out of, so we just, you know, oh, you know, just, oh, I don't know about them. They're not spirit-filled, but they may be fruit-filled. <laughs> I don't know. So our calling as believers is to be committed and consecrated to God each and every day, be a light to our families, a light to our communities. Can I have an amen? amen. Uh, uh, pray without ceasing. That's what Paul said in Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Stay in faith. Don't get into fear. Don't get into the propaganda of the news media. The news never, I mean, the, you can not listen to news for six months and pick up and not miss a beat. Because all they do is regurgitate the same stuff 24 hours a day, including Fox. So you just go to the word of God, find out what Jesus says about you, and stay in faith and let God be God of everything about your life. Amen. Let's pray. I'm gonna, bow your head. I'm going to pray with you tonight. So don't get into fear. Stay in faith. Thank you, God. Oh, we bless you tonight. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So I'm going to pray for two things tonight. I'm going to pray for um, Christians all over America that we will maintain our faith in and obedience to God's word. How many want that for your life? To be stay in faith and obedience to God and his word. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. And then number two, I want to pray and ask God for a spiritual awakening. How many believe that God answers prayer? How many will agree with me for that? Amen. In fact, let's stand for a moment. I just like to pray with sitting down. It's kind of like a position of laziness. So let's stand. If you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray for a moment. Father, we just pray right now together. And God of heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Father, we want you to know tonight that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. We want to... We want to walk out the justice of your word. We want to be men and women of faith, men and women of love, hallelujah, men and women of prayer. Father, we pray right now for the body of Christ nationwide that God of heaven, you will display your glory in the church in these last days. Let's give him praise for that, that you will display your glory through the church in these last days, God. We're asking you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord. God, we're asking you for a spiritual awakening. I mean, first of all, in us. First of all, in us, Father. A spiritual awakening. Uh, I mean, stepping into a realm of glory that we have never experienced before. Hallelujah. That that glory would get upon us and upon our marriages and upon our children. Hallelujah. And upon our church and our community. Thank you, God. A spiritual awakening. And Father, thank you that you gave us examples in your word of how you touched men and women and made them great men and women. Hallelujah. Because your spirit was upon them, your spirit was in them, and your spirit worked through them. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would be the master over every area of our lives tonight. And Father, I do pray tonight that you will convict us. Convict us so deeply that it will bring every one of us to our knees in true repentance. So, God, we can be all that you've called us to be in a world that desperately needs you and that you desperately love. Would you lift your hands for a moment? And, Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for touching our lives tonight, ministering to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.